privilege from hearing from uh, Justin Raymer with our ministry partner for the nations. Um, if you're new to the transit um, and you don't know about our ministry partner for the nations DC, here's a little bit about what they do. Uh, for the nations DC provides English language instruction and other educational services that help meet the practical needs of refugees, asylees, and immigrants while also sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for uh, a couple years now, we've uh, uh, partnered with For the Nations to uh, meet the needs of the refugees. And the beautiful thing about For the Nations with Matt Kozowski, he's come and preach. He's a good friend of mine. Justin's a good friend of mine. Is um, they, yes, they, they, they do the most loving thing on the planet Earth and preach the good news of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done. And they also develop these long-term relationships with refugees and asylees and meet practical needs of, hey, here's how the bus route works. Let me teach you English. Here's how to, you know, uh, live life in the States. It's a beautiful thing, and we've seen lots of partnerships. Um, just really cool stories come from our partnership with community groups, having refugees come to their their, uh, be a part of their community group. It's just really, really cool things that are happening. So we're excited uh, about our partnership with For the Nations, what the Lord has done, and what the Lord is doing. So one of the reasons we want Justin to come is, yes, to hear him beautifully uh, unpack un and unravel Nehemiah 5 and the gospel implications there to us, and also to give us an opportunity uh, as we are listening to Justin preach uh, to open up our hearts and say, Holy Spirit, are you inviting me to uh, maybe some time or some resources to partner with what For the Nations is doing on a weekly basis, monthly basis? And so our hope is that through this morning, our long-term partnership with FTNDC would strengthen. And so Justin and his team, there's lots of For the Nations team members here with us this morning. After the service, they'll be in the multi-purpose room. Um, if you're interested about getting involved or how to financially partner with them, go and see them in the lobby. Um, and talk to them. So a little bit about Justin. Uh, Justin and Kristen Raymer and their family were, were gospel proclaimers in Tanzania for a little bit until they came back to the States and went on staff with for uh, the Nations DC. And uh, the first time I met Justin, um, we, uh, Justin's like, hey, let's go grab lunch at this Ethiopian place in Falls Church. And so me, Matt Kozowski, and Justin grabbed lunch. And uh, Justin ordered uh, the biggest platter I've ever seen of fish and like, it's like everything that was in the back of the restaurant they brought out, and it was awesome, and we feasted for the glory of God. And uh, the reason I'm sharing uh, what I'm about to share is just to show you the kind of, the caliber of character that Justin is, and his heart for Jesus, but most importantly, his heart for the lost. I, he wouldn't give himself this title, but he's an evangelist. He would just say he's a follower of Jesus, uh, but he's an evangelist. So while we were getting lunch, what I noticed about Justin is he was locking in on everyone at the store. When the waiter would come, he'd, he'd look him in the eye, he'd linger, he'd talk to him. And to the extent that, you know, we had to go forward to the register to pay upon leaving. And Matt, Matt Kozowski and I uh, uh, were, you know, doing what we thought. You know, you pay, you say, you know, good afternoon, you leave. And Justin is lingering in love with the Ethiopian family there and just asking them about their life and their family and developing a relationship with them. It was beautiful. He'd been there before. He's, so I'm just watching. I'm like, wow, this is, a, this is just Amazing, but I'm that awkward guy just standing here, and so I got to go, and I think he just got back from that, because, uh, yeah, <laughs> but anyways, I say that, I say that, because every time that I've talked with Justin since that um, uh, lunch we had on the phone, he's always talking about, man, uh, who he's been sharing the gospel with, and the receptivity he's seen with the people that he's working with to the gospel, and this man buys Bibles all the time to just hand out to people as he meets them, so this man has a heart for the Lord, has a heart for the lost. And it's an honor to have him uh, preach the word to us uh, today. So without further ado, I need to stop talking. Let's hear it for Justin Raymer. Thank you, brother. 
Thank you very much, brother. Um, yes, there is a whole group here from For the Nations. And I will point out over here is Eloi and his wife, Naomi, student services coordinator. And then over here we have Vera, and she is trauma healing director with For the Nations. Catherine. Catherine is operations director of For the Nations. She's over top of everything. And then my wife, Kristen, and our children, Whitaker and Fiona. And then there are some volunteers. I saw Heather, and I saw, I saw Don and Evelyn over here, and there's probably the others I'm missing that have passed through. Um, yeah. Maybe that, is Elena sitting there? Yes. Yes. I'll pray for Elena. She's fixing to jump off in the deep end with us. Um, so, yes. Y'all are in the book of Nehemiah, which I always get confused about where Nehemiah's at because it's, a, it's sort of like a prophet book. You know, when you think of the name Nehemiah on the end of it, it's got to be a prophet, but it's actually more with the chronological. And I bet you've explained that already thus far. Um, to go at the end of Chronicles and find it. Um, so yes, this morning we are delighting in the Lord because we are worshiping together as a church family to the living God, the triune God. And um, I want to bring you all up to date about God's work through For the Nations and encourage your hearts in the Lord. So um, this morning we are in Nehemiah chapter 5. Um, if you have time to go there, and, and I say praise Jesus about that we have this right here in our language that we can understand. There's two billion people roughly on, on, in this earth that do not have it in a language in which they can understand. Yet we have it and we're free. No one was searching us as we walked to carry this paper Bible. Um, no, one, no one would take it from us. No one would beat us. No one would slaughter us. We're having this Bible here. It's possible, but by and large, here we have the hand of God on us. As He is around the world, but we are certainly blessed here. So read and hear the Word of God that is living and active. It's the sword of God's Holy Spirit. From Nehemiah chapter 5, and we're going to go from verses 1 through 13. And God's Word says, now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For those who said, with our sons and daughters, we are many, so let us get grain, that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those who said, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards and our houses to get grain because of the famine. And there are those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and vineyards, now our flesh is as the flesh is of our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers. Our children are as their children. Yet we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves, as some of our daughters have already been enslaved. But it is not in our power to help it, for other men have our fields and vineyards. I was very angry, Nehemiah speaking. I was very angry when I heard the outcry of these words. I took counsel myself and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. I said to them, you're exacting interest, interest from your brother. And I held a great assembly against them and said to them, we, as far as we are able, have bought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations. 
but you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. So I said, the thing that you're doing is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God? To prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies. Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon this exacting of interest. Return to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, and their houses, and the percentage of money, grain, wine, and oil that you have been exacting from them. We will do as you say. And I called and said, yeah, I missed something. Then they said, we will restore these things and require nothing from them. We will do as you say. And I called the priest and made them swear to do as they had promised. And I also shook out the fold of my garment and said, may God shake out every man from his house and from his labor who does not, who does not keep this promise. So may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And the people did as they had promised. Let's pray. Father God, this is your word. It is for us. It is for those who do not know you yet. Give me wisdom with how to handle your word correctly, to preach your word, complete conviction that it is truth. Your cross before me the world behind me. Speak through me. Open eyes, ears, hearts, and minds to hear what you're saying. Close eyes and ears and hearts and minds to anything that is not from you that I might say. Send more of your Holy Spirit now. Father God, protect us from the devil that would want to come into this worship service and cause confusion at the preaching of your word. We pray this in your strength, given through your salvation, through the blood of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, on this day, and many of y'all know what happened 21 years ago. Many of us watched. Some of us, were, some of us in this room may have been close. I don't know. Um, some may not have been born yet. The evil attacked and people were injured and died. And as a former firefighter, on this day, the number 343 always stands out in my mind because that's the number of firefighters that died in the towers that day. When the towers fell and the Pentagon shuddered and burned and some valiant heroes pushed their lives into the dirt of a Pennsylvania field, we saw the false walls of security through prosperity in this country, in the United States, crumble. This country was attacked and things that we hold dear were shattered, like our sense of security. And immediately we began to fill in those gaps. Some of you may know and may remember, I came to D.C. And, and, and as a high school senior, and I remember before the bollards were fr and all along the road. I remember when you could just about walk up to the White House because that street was open. All those things changed to provide security. There were walls being put up. But yet, in God's infinite wisdom, through the war on terrorism, we now have an unprecedented opportunity to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ and His good news amongst people that have never heard. Just in this past year, 70,000, roughly 70,000 Afghans have come to the United States of America. Here in Virginia alone, 10%, 7,000 came to this area, or came to all of Virginia, but many of them came here. 
And they are joining the already 750,000 people that have never heard about Jesus and His good news in a way that they can understand. That's how many are here that we believe. And as y'all have been learning and working through Nehemiah, they're building a wall to create security in Jerusalem. And why are they doing it? Because God told them, as we know, Nehemiah, the good hand of God was upon him when he met with the king of Babylon to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. And I'm, they rebuilt the temple and they, they probably rebuilt some other things in the city. But now they're working on the wall. Okay. Have you told them how long the wall was? The wall. No, no, no. Alright, so the wall, just to give an idea, if you go out the parking lot here, and this is roughly, and I was in my study Bible and I took a little note card and I did this and I did that. Um, so, so please go to a biblical scholar or something. Don't go to Wikipedia. They get it all wrong. Um, but, but they get close. But you, you, like if you started in the driveway out here and you went down, there's a creek and it's specially running today. And it actually goes all the way down to the railroad tracks. And then the railroad tracks go by. If you ever get your car towed, it's back over there somewhere, just so you know. Um, and then you go down the railroad tracks, and then you come over here to, if I'm getting it right, I'm turned around in this building, and you come back up Van Dorn, hang back on Ed, so we'll come back here. It's about 1.9 miles, and the wall, they think, was about one and a half miles. So roughly, not a huge area, but if you're building a wall block by block, donkey cart by donkey cart, it's a pretty big wall. Um, but just as they're started getting started on this, problems erupt. And what was the problem? People didn't have any food. And they didn't have any money or time to go get the food. The crops had failed from one reason or another. But it doesn't really say why right there. <clears throat> But they were out of food. So here in the D.C. area, we buy our food. For me, everywhere I've lived but here, sure I've bought food in other places I've lived, but oftentimes we've grown it, we've harvested the meat or the plants or whatever, and that's the food that we ate. But we did go to the store and, and buy our milk and cheese and, and bread normally. But back in Tanzania, we had each year we had what was called hunger time. And hunger time occurred every year as, at, right before harvest. So right before harvest, the food that, had, that you were eating through your food supply, there's like this time right before harvest where people are hungry and they cut down to about one meal a day. And that meal is usually a lump of about this big of either cornmeal mush or millet or sorghum, some sort of mush cooked. But just to grab a picture of what buying food back in the times Nehemiah might look like, I think if you got those pictures, I'll show these lovely pictures here. I think this is four years ago in 2018. And if you can see, this is my daughter Fiona as her and our neighbor have walked to the village center to get uh, uh, grain ground into flour so that we can cook it and eat it. And then uh, you see this is my son Whitaker. That's our dog Tano, which means number five. And, um, and this, is, this is a donkey. And just so you know, he doesn't have food in those sacks, but that's about 120 pounds of, uh, of uh, cement powder for building. But that's also how you transported food. And uh, his job right there is, Whitaker, you were holding the donkey so that we could load it, if I remember correctly. And then you were... 
Oh, yeah, that was your climbing bush. You didn't want them to eat the leaves on the climbing bush. That's right. Um, so, yeah, you were holding the donkey. Because somebody has to hold the donkey. And I think me and the guy who were with the donkey went inside and drank coffee while you were doing that. <laughs> um, but by the way, in Nehemiah, if you get they actually count the donkeys because donkeys are very important. And roughly there were 6,720 donkeys for 49,942 people up to the point returnees from the exile during Nehemiah's time, which is roughly one donkey per seven people. And just if you're wondering, when we lived back in Africa in a mountainous region, it was roughly one donkey per seven people. We didn't own any donkeys, but um, we knew how to find them, Lord willing, when we needed them. Um, but yeah, it took time and money. It wasn't simply as driving to the grocery store. So this is a major problem. People are going hungry trying to build a wall. So Governor Nehemiah, because he was the governor, Use some wisdom in this situation. And he called an assembly of everyone and addressed the issue together in public. In his address to the high officials and his fellow Israelites, he made a clear accusation. It's in verse 9. Ought you not walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? With this, Nehemiah hit the crux of the issue. The people were not walking, they were not operating, they were not living in the fear of the Lord. They were flat broke. The rich were trouncing on the poor. And these, these returning exiles, they were the covenant children of God. These are the, these are the people who Abraham, when they cut the covenant with God, Moses, the covenant, going out, the first Passover, coming out of the land of Egypt, that was these people, and they were not living as they should with the promised inheritance they had through their covenant with God. Their individual hearts were broken and in ruins. The spiritual assembly, you know, we're talking about the wall there is broken in ruins. They rebuilt the temple. Um, but what's going on in here and what's going on person to person? From what we're reading, from what we're reading, it was also seemingly in ruins. Now, Talking about fear. I was a teenager in the no fear age. Are there anybody in here who have the no fear decal in your brain right now? Okay, a few, a few. Because um, some of you may not. But anyway, no fear, and I think you can still get it. I don't recommend it. But, well, anyway, use wisdom. But there, was this, there were these decals and T-shirts and hats, and while I never wore them, that's mostly because I didn't like to spend money, um, but... Everybody would buy them and they'd put the decals on their dirt bikes, their trucks, every back windshield of the truck with the hat, with the t-shirt. Uh, and, and we thought we were cool and we didn't have any fear, we, we thought. And we sort of lived that way when there was not great results from living that way, living apart from Christ and thinking we didn't have any fear. We ignored the great biblical proverb that comes in just as soon as you open the book of Proverbs that says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the end of knowledge. And the worshipful fear of the Lord is the forever knowledge in the new creation as we rejoice around the throne. And Nehemiah used that word, and that word fear that he used, and y'all have probably heard this in church before, a reverent, worshipful fear. It's not the same fear of I didn't study good on the test. 
and I'm before the test and I'm going to fail. It's a reverent, worshipful fear. And these exiles knew about this. And, and, and Nehemiah called them out. And they obviously, because they promised, they were either under guilt from him, or I pray that it was guilt from a holy God, where they saw that they were fearful from a holy God, and they made promises to correct the problem. And if they didn't correct the problem, the curses would be upon them for not doing that, for breaking their agreement. Now, I thought that I knew a bit about fear and fearing the Lord. Until we were in Africa and we were discipling a young man. And on one night in the wee hours of the morning, he was crying outside our house. There was no knock. There was just tears. Profuse tears and crying. And he was so shook up he couldn't talk. We couldn't understand. Didn't have a lot of language anyway. But he had, he, 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 he had continual arguments with his dad. And on this occasion, he was kicked out of his house. And he came to ours. Now, you've got to understand, this guy, um, he's an adult at this time, but he is one of 30-something children with five. Or, see, he's one of 30-something kids. His dad has five wives. Um, his, his dad ended up killing the fifth wife. Um, so needless to say, there was always a problem in that house. His dad was always busy with these problems. And especially since our friend, our brother actually, had left Islam and was now following Jesus, it was my and Chris's job to train him in the faith. So with the little language we had, we went to God's Word to talk about a biblical father, our father God. And so we went to Matthew chapter 10, and, uh, and, we, and we used a, um, uh, an audio Bible. You just click through and it, and it plays, and it has a solar... Uh, recharger on it and a flashlight. It's really handy dandy because it's God's word and a flashlight. And um, and so we we listened to it over and over and over. And I really thought he was getting the message about why his family was treating him the way it is. And when you're discipling people that leave their their faith and choose to follow Jesus, you're often talking about these things because they're being rejected by their family. And he, he actually finally asked the question. Because at the end of all that, it talks about a sparrow. He's like, what's this word right here? And I'm like, well, it's a little bird. And he's like, okay. And, and he's gone on with the rest of his day. <laughs> so I explained to him a bit more. And I think you've got the scripture from Matthew 10, 28 through 31. And Jesus says, and do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Praise Jesus for those words. He's still fearing the Lord. He's still living in that village. He is still telling, faithfully proclaiming. Um, he's still living on the family farm with the family that hates him and the community that rejects him because of Jesus. Now, here in God's service amongst refugees, asylees, and immigrants, I do see fear. I see fear when they come to us in their eyes. It's in their it's in their movements. Um, it's in their voice. And it's often the fear of the unknown. Kind of like 
first new day at school in a school you've never been to before, and you might not have any friends. First new day of a job, you know. But with our friends that come to classes, often that fear will remain until love is shown. And it's the love that comes through the face of Jesus Christ through His image bearers. The church. In that love, direct from the Father, through the Son, in the power of God's Holy Spirit, in His image bearers, the children of God, the church, that fear begins to melt away. And what does this practically look like? And I'm going to tell you. Well, it can be for me, it was a joyful experience, joyful exuberance last week when I saw some returning students and I went up and I shook his hand and I shook the wife's hand. And um, in cross-cultural work, if you come volunteer with us, men don't shake the ladies' hand, women don't shake the men's hand. As you become friends, things may get a little bit closer, but don't, don't do that first call. Um, I did. There was lots of laughter. And you can see a little bit of fear melting away. Um, it's teachers like your own. Evelyn's over here, um, and, and Gwen is now Georgia. Yeah, but they were they were in classrooms, and they would take down. I, I know Evelyn for sure would take down, write down prayer requests, and then she would pray for these needs, daily needs, often in front of her students. And this was quite possibly the first time they've ever seen a Christian talk to a father God, just like, our chi- just like a child would talk to their mother or father. And they get to see that. It's cups of tea and tears in the home of a family who just lost somebody in an explosion that was caused by terrorists. Now for that family, most part of that family... It was death that they were mourning. For one member of that family, he was mourning that he knew that because of where that person lived, they probably had never heard about Jesus and his good news in a way they could understand. May have, but I I don't think so. There's also fear instilled in people by the devil himself. Now, we had our neighbor. We had a neighbor back in Tanzania. And he used to come, and he would walk down the hill to our house, and you could see him. He was sort of strutting. Then as he got closer to our house, it slowed down, and it started, he started shaking. His hands would shake. His steps would get shorter, almost shuffling. And he'd just walk on by. Now, y'all may be used to people in northern Virginia just throwing up a hand and walking on by. It don't happen where we're living at over there. And um, normally it involves what one day by prayer it did involve. Is he actually, after we prayed, and it, it took a while, he came. And I remember shaking his hand and welcoming him because he was at my door. And I saw him as he took his shoes off. He wore shoes made out of motorcycle tires. They're really good shoes. And he stepped across that threshold and sat down at our table and had a meal one of the average 40 meals that my wife over there cooked on a regular on a regular day in a house in a village with no running water and electricity still remember seeing his feet come across that threshold he shook a little bit he may even still does 
But that fear was being cast out by perfect love. <laughs> Gradually. It's like peeling back the layers of an onion. Y'all probably heard that analogy. But years of peeling. If some of you are here on assignment or for work here, you may move to five states before those pe onion peels get labeled by, get pulled back. And your friend that you met in the English class starts telling you about the dreams. And I'm specific, we're still, still talking about the devil here. The bad dreams, the evil voices, the ones that keep them up all night and when they come to class, they're bleary-eyed. And it's not just the dreams, it's the fear of the coming day of judgment. And that apart from what you find right here, there is no answer for the day of judgment. Amen. One of the guys I'm discipling here, he's discipling me, and he tells me about a dream or dreams that he had before, before he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And I can empathize with him. He can't finish the story. I've heard those evil voices. Maybe you have heard the voice that's direct from the devil that says, you can keep those secret sins. You can show up to church on Sunday. It's okay. You can do this. You can do that. Those are taunts from the devil. They're scary. But perfect love Cast out that fear with the strong right arm of God. The grace of God reaches down and claims His wandering sheep and brings them back into the pen. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear. The hour I first Hallelujah, that fear is relieved through the grace of God giving out the faith to believe. That fear will be relieved and gone on that day when the person you're discipling, like my wife was, and the devil came and tormented that woman and the devil spoke through that woman and, and spoke threats against me and our family. And Kristen picked up the Bible, a children's Bible actually, and read it. And then I stuck around and prayed with other people for four and a half hours while our sister was tormented by this evil spirit. And when God sends you, and I pray that God does send you to a far-flung village or city anywhere on this earth where they need to hear the gospel, and I pray He does that, that you will not bend in fear. You won't bend in fear when they take and put 
a thorn tree and it's actually a curse on your property like they did our farm against you and your family. You won't fear when you drive your land cruiser down the road even though you know they've sabotaged it before. You'll even walk around your home and pray with worshipful fear, trusting your Father God. When earlier in the day, the devil entered a man and in public, he threatened to eat your children at night. You will pray and trust and fear and worship God. Right here. Y'all are thinking all those stories are just in Africa. Right here, Seminary Road, about a year ago. I stopped to help. Their cars broke down with me and a police officer pushed them out of the road and uh, just a little battery problem. It was ready to go. Um, gave away a Bible to a guy. Actually, was it today I met? Was it you? It may have been after I was with you. I cannot remember. May have been. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, about a year ago. But anyway... I'm stopping and, 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 and I just share something about Jesus and like the two adult women in there are just listening, listening, listening. So I, so I share, out of nowhere, the six-year-old starts screaming with that same evil voice, God is dead, over and over and over and over in my face. Six years old. And so I just prayed a blessing over the family in the name of Jesus and they were happy that their car was running. They got to hear just a little bit. Zero fear. Now that's because the Holy Spirit's there because Justin is a very fearful person. When we fear God, we fast. And we fast with joy in Jesus. Not downtrodden. Not like people fasting because they fear Judgment Day to, to, to build up their good and put down their bad. When Nehemiah said, ought you not to walk in the fear of our God, he knew that when God was rebuilding Jerusalem, it was not just the physical, but it was the spiritual, new Jerusalem, the church. So Jesus sang this song. Only not, he sang this as far as we can tell, and, and, and you can ask a pastor, an elder, about how we know what Jesus was singing on the night he was betrayed. But, you know, there was sort of a schedule. Um, but um, on that night, when he was betrayed, he was arrested, he prayed for us. He prayed for those that are not in the church yet that night. This is what he's saying. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall not look in triumph on those who hate me. Or excuse me, I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side, the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like fire among the thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. 
The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but He has not given me over to death. Open the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and become my salvation. The stone that the builders has rejected, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There's another great song to keep on singing. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. and He has made, made His light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifices' cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. I will give thanks to the Lord for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Jesus and His disciples sang that most likely before He made a way through His death on the cross to get to God. Not like the way of works of Nehemiah's time. They were, they, were, they were coming out of slavery, coming out of the, you know, from the exile back to the promised land, and they were selling themselves back into slavery to themselves. It was, it was by works. Salvation's by works. Just a continual cycle. Not by faith. Not what Jesus is talking about. But by faith given by God freely. The faith that says, the brother of mine who's gone into glory, said, Jesus is it in the middle of Sunday school class. Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. The beginning of Mark. At the end of Mark, Jesus goes on to command, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Now, there's a singer-songwriter, and some of you may know about him, some may not. He's from the early 70s, or he's from the late 70s, early 80s, and his name was Keith Green. And he used to sing about freedom from fear and sin that he gained when he repented and believed. And I recommend you listen to this. Wonderful. I like it anyway. And, uh, but he and his wife, Melody, started Last Day's Ministry, and they saw a lot of fruit going on, people being transformed by Jesus and His good news. And they took a trip to visit missionaries around the world, and not much has changed when we look at numbers since then, there's been a lot of great work going on. But what he noticed was is there was more Avon sales. Y'all know what Avon is? The perfume? There was more Avon salespeople than there were missionaries going to those that have never heard. Sadly, he died just as it was taken off. He and his wife were passionately preaching the Word of God and talking about the need for people to go as Jesus commanded. And he said this on his uh, Here I Am, Send Me Live album. He said this here, and, it, and, and I agree with him, because right now there's 3.3 billion people on the face of the earth that have never heard anything truthful about Jesus or His good news. All of them, some of them are here. And this is what he said. It's either got to be God's will for it to be this way or it's someone else's fault. And we know there ain't no fault in God. 
It's impossible. So what is it? And Keith goes on to say, and he, somebody else said this before him, and he, but they were right too. The generation of, this generation of Christians is responsible for this generation of souls. It's the church's responsibility. The church being built by the Lord Jesus has always had enough money, enough people, enough time, enough resources for the task. It always has. Nehemiah addressed the returnees like this. The thing that you are doing is not good. Ought you not walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? How much more appropriate is that to hear that today, for me to hear that? And ought we not to walk in the fear of our God and proclaim the gospel? Now, I know we do, but I love the reminders that remind me. Now, as an English teacher, when I look, I think that sentence is going to stay up there. All right, English teaching time. So, in this right here, you have, this is a command statement in the form of a question. So, what is the command? Now, I could tell y'all just to speak, but what is the command? Yeah, right here. Walk in the fear of our God. That is the command. That's what he's. That's what he's saying. There's probably more, but I'm I'm teaching today, so you have to. Um. But I talk to my students who are almost all Muslim, and I'm like, when you have a command, and I'm teaching the Bible, teaching English, using the Bible. When you have a command, you only have two choices: you obey or disobey. You ever heard that from your? I know y'all heard it from your mom and dad. I know that. Two choices: obey or disobey. So I'm going to say, everyone here, and I'm looking around at everyone, look around at everyone else. We've already greeted each other, but look around again. It's this generation of Christians that's responsible for this generation of souls. Faith comes by hearing, who we worked with in Tanzania, has an aggressive goal to begin oral Bible translation in the remaining languages, which represents about 2 billion people by the year 2033. The children being born now, that you see these little children around here, has the opportunity to be the generation that continues on that translation work and finish it. Go to Faith Comes By Hearing and read even more about that. Now this will cost, and we know it will cost money and resources. It will cost earthly lives. A friend of mine on his Bible translation team, some of them were brutally murdered. I just got a message on a WhatsApp group this morning of bad things going on northern part of Africa. But there's great things going on because the great things preceded the persecution. And the great things are going on in the persecution because God is in charge. Chinese Christians are still in prison. And our brothers and sisters who speak the gospel with boldness are continuing to be martyred around the world. So when you look around and you think of the children that are back there somewhere, recommit their lives and yourselves to the Lord Jesus. For me, it took Whitaker, our son over here, being diagnosed with cancer to wake up with this reality. Our, God showed me that our lives are not our own, our children are not our own. They were bought with a price. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
It's the only perfect purchasing price that ever has been or ever will be. Paid by the Son of our Father God who loves us. And He desires that not a single person would ever perish, but that all would repent and believe in the good news of Jesus. He was from the beginning and came from heaven to live among us. He came and lived a perfect life as a man, yet actually the Son of God, yet actually God Himself, fully divine, who did not spare His own Son, but in perfect love, God struck the shepherd and killed him. And the sheep scattered. Jesus, on the third day, rose up as the victorious King and Shepherd from the grave to prove that He was the Son of God, He was the Lamb of God, He was the Savior of the world. He was the Messiah. He is God that we fear and worship. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on Him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways of your forefathers, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but He was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Us. Who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by the obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have born, been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And this Word is the good news that was preached to you from 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's pray. God, Holy Spirit, and Son, Give us hearts anew to receive your word from you, uh, to live this word. Give us the faith to believe that it's true, the faith to fear you. Worshipful, holy, reverent fear. We receive your love and we pour it back out in the service of our bodies, which are sacrifices to be poured out for the sake of your name, Jesus. Grant that we never fear humans, but only fear you who saves us from hell. We look forward to your perfect judgment day without any fear or hesitation because our salvation is kept perfect, pure, undefiled in heaven by you who is sending your, sending your strong right arm to save. We love you. We receive your love. It's the name of Jesus that we pray.